Ronananian. Always test a component like it's standing alone by itself. Because if you test a component like it's part of the car that it's attached to, which might be broken, then you're testing one broken component with another. So what's the point? The car doctor. When you're diagnosing something, you need to look very carefully and break it down step by step. Look, man, I follow for no banana in my tailpipe. Welcome to the radio home of Ronananian, the car doctor. Since 1991, this is where car owners the world over turn to for their definitive opinion on automotive repair. If your mechanic's giving you a busy signal, pick up the phone and call in. The garage doors are open. But I am here to take your calls at 855-560-9900. And now, here's Ronnie. Welcome. Come on in. Sit down. Ronnie Indian, the car doctor, at your service. 855-560-9900 is the phone number. 855 855- Five six zero nine nine zero zero is the phone number, as I said before. That is the twenty four seven number, eight five 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 six zero nine nine zero zero. You call that number anytime, day or night. The show doesn't have to be on the air. We are live on the network Saturday afternoons, two to four PM Eastern time. We originate on the east coast of the United States. And if you call eight five 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 six zero nine nine zero zero anytime, day or night, we're not here. Leave a message fast, Harry. We'll call you back and get you in the lineup for the following week and bring you up to speed and let just let us help bring you up to speed on whatever your problem is and uh, help solve it for you because that's what this radio show really is all about. That's as simple as that. If you've got a car question or problem, we're here to help. That's all we want to do. There's a website, cardoctorshow.com, naturally, that you can get out to and also find links there to tune in, iHeart and iTunes. We make podcasting available for you, each and every format you could possibly think of. Also coming soon to Google Play. They're going to be announcing Google Play, and uh, or they did announce that uh, April 18th, I think, was the launch date for Google Play, and they're going to be podcasting the Car Doctor through Google. We've signed up for that as well, so we're going to allow you to take this any way you want. That's what this radio show is about. We just want to be there for you. Uh, nice and simple. You got the Google Play and start looking at that, and um, you know we can we can talk via that also. And I appreciate it. I appreciate the following that we've had over these past years. And uh, you know, it's you've got a lot of things to do with your time and taking the time to listen to this radio show. And I mean that sincerely. Uh, you know, it, it's probably one of the things that keeps me going all these years is that uh, you know it's more people are writing and telling me to keep working than the ones that are writing and telling me to retire. And um, there aren't a lot of them anyway. So as long as more people swear by you than at you, you're ahead of the curve. Auto repair is a curve. Auto repair is a curve ball. You're never quite sure where it's going and how you're going to get there. If you're a Jeep owner, you probably want to listen to this next story. 2005 Jeep Grand Cherokee came into the shop at Ari Automotive this week. Busy week this week. There was all kinds of crazy things going on, but... This 05 Jeep Grand Cherokee showed up with a 3.7-liter V6. Lisa had been driving the car, worked fine, and went in the house, came back out an hour later, went to start it, nothing. Ungats. And it just didn't do anything. Dash lights, no sounds, no connections, nothing else happened. Now, before in the previous hour, if you happen to catch it, if you're you're listening on the two-hour show today, you know, you heard me talk about that, that keyless or that key car. When that key car comes in, what do you do to diagnose it? So I, I went through the battery. I went through the starter, verified, yeah, we, you know, good battery, good signal down to the starter. I'm sorry, no signal down to the starter. I take that back. There was no signal down to the starter. And where are we? 
traced it back up the line and came to, and of course I scanned it, and I'm jumping ahead of myself here, but I did scan it, and there were no fault codes related to anything I was seeing. So I worked my way back up. It was a yellow with a blue trace solenoid feed down to the starter on this Chrysler, this Jeep product, and worked my way up to the starter relay in the power distribution center in the underhood fuse block. No power there, no signal. Got out a power probe. And we all, well, most of us know what a power probe is. It's, you know, we can we can power and ground things if we're careful. I'm not a 100% fan. I guess it's a good way to say it of a power probe, but you can kind of get yourself in trouble. You've got to be judicious would be a good way to say it, that uh, you've got to be careful how you use this, this packed voltage um, uh, tool, so to speak. So just be cautious with it. But in any event, pulled the power, pulled the, pulled the uh, starter relay out of the power distribution center, found pin 87, which is the feed down to the starter, fed it 12 volts, car cranked. Okay. Left the key in the on position, car cranks, won't start. All right. Now I've got something else going on here. Went through the basics, right? You got a car that cranks no start. Now I can check. Do I have fuel pressure? No. Did I have spark? No. Made sure I had power coming into the coil on the one side. And yeah, but no signal on the other. It wouldn't It wouldn't uh, make a signal on a scope. I couldn't see anything going on. Gee, it sounds like we're not waking something up. Turn the key on, the check engine light's on, the PCM's up. I can read data on it. I can read scan tool data. Or am I reading the wrong thing? It was funny. I was looking at scan tool data, and this is these are some of the things you notice. Now, the car's not running. It's not on a battery charger. It's just sitting there. As a matter of fact, the battery's really kind of weak at this point. The battery had been dying, and it was, you know, dying a slow death, as they say. And yet, when looking at the information on the scan tool, battery voltage at the scan tool said it was 14 volts. Standing voltage on the battery was 11.8. How do we get a higher voltage via the scan tool than what the battery is able to produce? I said, wow, that's a really great trick. I'll take that. So right off the bat, I'm seeing screwy information coming out of the PCM because I know of no place where it would get higher voltage than what the battery was capable of putting out. That really made no sense to me. So bottom line, after the usual diagnosis and, and pin testing wiring, I said, this car's got a bad computer in it. It's locked up or it's bad. There's something computer here. Let's do the Chrysler reboot. The Chrysler reboot is is sort of like the two-step. It's, it's you're just... You're going to reboot the computer, and as much as we don't reboot car computers, I do. And a matter of disconnecting the both battery cables, putting a 10-meg-ohm impedance wire between the two, and letting it bleed down, and after 10 minutes, connecting the cables back up. That's a reboot. Just clear out its memory. Wouldn't you know it started and the car was fixed, went back in, looked at the PIDs, the information was all normal now. All the voltages were correct. The computer itself was locked up. And that's the curve. Like, you, you don't see it that much. You don't expect it that much. It's becoming more and more common. And the reason I say, if you're a Jeep owner, you should be aware of this. This is a real chronic problem. 03 up through 07, 08 Jeeps seem to do this, where they will lock up the module. Here's the best part. 
went to replace it. A new module, $850. Labor to put it in, oh, you know, in a half hour, 45 minutes. It's got to be rescanned. And then the computer has to be flashed, meaning that software has to be uploaded into it to tell the computer its parameters of what it is. And I tell you what, sometimes you wonder, at least could they manufacture computers with hardware or with software in them? It would sure make everybody's life easier, but alas, no. So it really came down to, do you want to fix this? By the time we put some labor on this, you'll be $1,100, $1,200. Or do you want to understand where the battery cables are and you can do a reboot? Well, after the three-minute class of how to take the battery cables off, Dave's going to start doing reboots if it ever happens again. And it may, it may not. But bottom line, technology just keeps changing the table, and it just modifies the curve to such a point that you're never quite sure what you're going to see and when you're going to see it. 855-560-9900. I'm Ron Anany and the Car Doctor. We'll be back right after this. Car Doctor rolling along at 855-560-9900, cardoctorshow.com for more information and get out to Facebook, like us, ask a question, get your very own Car Doctor t-shirt if we use your question up here on air, and that's coming up a little bit later on this hour. Let's get over and talk to Bob Philsberg, New Jersey, 65 hey. Volkswagen. Robert, how are you today? Fine. We're uh, sitting here uh, here at home uh, with, with the 65 Volkswagen Beetle. Okay. Uh, well, before I put the engine back in the car, I had it sitting on a 65-gallon drum, and I resealed the engine, and I pulled the oil strainer down, and it didn't have the correct oil strainer in it. It had the newer style with the big hole for the pickup tube for the oil pump. Okay. And I, I kind of had a lot of crud and stuff in there and everything, and uh, uh, so apparently this was not not filtering any oil at all. Oops. And uh, found the correct oil uh screen and put it in and uh, got uh, two quarts of 10W40 Castrol GTX in it. Right. And it has a tick in it. And I put the engine back in the car and it doesn't seem to run right at high RPMs. And I'm thinking possible stuck valve or something. So I would like to possibility, uh, I left it a half a quart low, uh, put some ATF in it. And if I do that, should I drive it or just let it idle? You can drive it. I mean, it's not going to hurt anything. A half a half a quart of ATF, I would I've done it all the time. But isn't that a solid lifter motor? Yes, it is. So you know the idea valves is valves are adjusted. That's one of the things I did check was valve adjustment. And okay, the valves were fine. If is it is it a is it running rough, Bob? When you say it doesn't run right, it idles beautiful. You can put a cup of coffee on the on the engine and not get a ripple out of it. But when you start pulling a hill. Under a load, that's when it starts getting okay. weird. Um, you got a dwell meter, I'm sure? Yes, I do. And I just got done checking that. And uh, maybe uh, this is another part of the question. I'm, uh, the dwell is around 40, and it should be 50. So I would have to open up the points? Uh, yes, you would have to open up the points. Right, okay. Right, right. I had to think for a second there. Dwell is the amount of degrees. 
uh, right. the points are closed in between, movement. Let me think about that question now. Do I get a, do, <laughs> yeah. do I get a redo? It's been a while. Yeah. It's been a while. It's been a while since I did that. Um, I know. Um, I would look at. Let me think. Do I lose the amount of time? Um, I'm going to pass on that one for the minute, Robert. I can't. I got to. I got to look that one up. It's been a long time. I can't remember. Yeah. Well, I'm going to play around with it and see which way to go. But the thing that really bothers me mostly is getting this car ready and understand. Come May the 1st, that all cars here in the state of New Jersey at 1995 and older do not get the emission test anymore? That is correct. Isn't that an amazing thing? Uh, not only will they not get an emissions test, there's no more safety on old on, on any cars uh, in New Jersey except commercial vehicles. So anything 1995 and older is is not getting state inspection. So I got two cars that I don't have to get inspected. Right, that's correct. I don't like this. I really don't. Right. Yeah. Well, and the thing I don't like about it is, listen, I'll I'll put it into a different context. By the way, let's go back to the Volkswagen a minute. Um, yeah. If you're if it's sitting there in the garage and you bring it up to you know eighteen hundred two grand, does it start to run rough? No, only under a load. So it's only under a load. Yeah. So I would take a look at ignition. Do we have ignition breaking down? Do we ha- do you have a bad ignition coil? All right. Uh-huh. Even though you know, did it work fine with the old engine? You know, I don't know. You know, we know what new means, yeah. etc. Um, right. Could we have a coil problem? Could we have a capacitor problem or a condenser problem on uh-huh. the points? You know, we got to start thinking about weak ignition. Uh, yeah. Weak ignition becomes an issue. So right. you know, that's number one. And then number two, uh, you know, fuel pressure is just critical to these things. So they don't run a lot of fuel pressure to begin with. Um, you know, kind of tough to take a take a fuel pressure test on that while you're driving. But, you know, I assume you're running that clear plastic fuel filter nestled right up under the carb that everybody used to run back in yeah. the day. Yeah. And yeah. It, it looks good and clean and no yeah. issues. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I would, I would focus on ignition first. Make sure ignition is good. Uh, you could do the ATF thing. I don't envision this being a stuck valve. If it's a stuck valve... Uh, tell me why. If it's a stuck valve, you should have a problem with valve adjustment, um, things right. like that. You know, right. that would be that would be more of an issue. Um, well, as I said right now, the dwell's sitting at 40, and it should be 50. So Right. And it's going to change. It'll change at some, but it's not going to change it a lot, although that will change timing when you correct yeah. it. So yeah. um, you can correct that as well. Inspection real quick, and then I'll let you go. In New Jersey, for your information, everyone else out there, 1995 and older vehicles as of May 1st, 2016, are not required to have the emissions test done. They're, the the position of the state and Division of Motor Vehicles and EPA is there are not enough of older vehicles, not enough of 95 and older vehicles out there to justify the expense of having a four, five gas and the tests and the personnel and the training and everything that everybody went to school for. Let's throw it right out the window. Now, well, here's where I here's what I don't like about this, all right? And there's a lot of things, but this this really kind of hit home. We had a customer in the shop two weeks ago. She's driving a 2007 Hummer. You know, the big GM Hummer, the the military-looking thing. Because that vehicle is 8,600 GVW, gross vehicle weight rating, and over, as of May 1st, that car never has to be inspected again. 
So, wow. you know, it's not just it's it's they're they're looking at sheer numbers. How many of these vehicles? Hey, listen, my 2008 Chevy Silverado 3500 one ton pickup, my plow truck. Yeah, that never has to be inspected again. And some vehicles, depending upon their use and weight class, will fall into self-inspection. But all that's going to be required, and it really makes no sense to me, the cars that are going to have to be inspected are the ones that there's more of, so those are the people that are going to be inconvenienced. Instead of inconveniencing the people that there's less of, it's like, what's the thinking here? Um, what's the thought process? But I guess there isn't people, people are going to go over in Pennsylvania and go to the junkyards and buy cars and register in here in, Pennsylvania, in New Jersey. Well, I think you're going to see a lot of that, and I think the older cars are going to be worth more. But I, what I think you're also going to see and this is what the state's not talking about yet, is I think come the summer in New Jersey, they're very conveniently going to start setting up roadsides because now they're going to be able to set up for, you know, roadside inspection, safety, and they're going to start writing tickets. And what do tickets do, Bob? That yeah. generates revenue. And right. that's what they're after. Right. All right? So if you're driving an older vehicle, just because it runs badly – doesn't mean you can't get a ticket. Now, you may not right. be able to get a ticket for emissions, and they haven't defined that. I asked that question at the meeting, and they haven't given me a, a straight answer yet. But safety still counts. If a policeman pulls you over, the lights don't work, the exhaust is hanging, wiper blades aren't on the car or, or in bad shape, etc., that is a failure-to-maintain ticket in the state of New Jersey, and that's a fine. That's Last time I looked, $175, something like that. So yeah. just, just be aware. You, you can get away with it, but up to a certain limit. Um, the thing I'm disappointed about is the hot rod never has to go through inspection again. So yeah. that's, what's, the, what's the point in building it? That was no fun. Um, I, I always wanted to I always wanted to defy the odds and say, hey. But anyway, listen, how you feeling, by the way, before I let you go? I know you were, uh, we're doing yeah. We're doing pretty good. Yeah. Uh, getting ready to go down to Williamsburg, Virginia this coming week, and uh, can't wait to get down there. Yeah. When you, when you go down there, you want to have some fun with the people in Williamsburg? Yeah. Well, you go up to one of the people, you know, like the blacksmith or the town crier or whatever. Yeah. And um, if you just ask them, so what did the people do back in the olden days without telephones? And if you get one that's really in character, uh -huh. they're going to give you a hard time and tell you, what do you mean? I thought this was the olden days. They, they, they really stay in character. They really, you can oh, really, you can really goof with them if you want. Yeah, um, I know. You know, but uh, it's really interesting. But Williamsburg is a fun place. Hey, Bob, have a safe trip. My best, okay. my best to the wife. I haven't seen her in a while since uh, you're up there at Labor Day. But I'm glad you're feeling better. Enjoy the cars, and uh, we'll talk again real soon. Eight five 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 six zero nine nine zero zero. I'm Ron Anini and the Car Doctor. We'll be back right after this. Don't go away. Hey, welcome back. Ron Anini, The Car Doctor, 855-560-9900, cardoctorshow.com for podcasts. Tune in, iHeart, iTunes, and coming soon to you, Google Play for future podcasts as well. Let's get over and talk to Kathleen Lewiston, Maine, 2010 Dodge Caravan, and some questions about a whining noise. Kathleen, welcome to The Car Doctor. How can I help? Hi, Ron. Yes, Thank you. You're welcome. What's going on? All right. So I bought this uh, van. It's a SXT uh, Grand Caravan, 2010, about a couple years ago like 67,000 miles on it and of course right after the warranty you know expires like about two or three months ago 
I started hearing a like a high pitched whirring noise just kind of underneath uh and it's gradually over time gotten a little bit louder and you know, my husband said, Well you should have that looked at and I said, Well, Never mind. Well, um, well yeah. But anyway, I never, I, did. I never I get in between. Our... I never get in between husbands and wives. But yeah, I think <laughs> I think he's right. I think I think you should get that looked at by all means. So yeah. Um, what was the result? All right. So I took it to the local guy, and he used the stethoscope thing, and he said it was coming from the transmission. Okay. And then uh, I took it to a, and he said, "Oh, you just turn up the radio. Don't worry about it." Oh, it'll probably drive. You'll never have problems with it. And I went to a transmission guy down the road from me, and he said, yeah, you never know when it might go, but it'll really ruin your engine. Then uh, he he drove around with me, and then he took me in the shop, and he showed me he had pieces of uh, transmissions, and he showed me a planetary gear, and he showed me um, uh, one of the bearings that surround the planetary gear, and that he suspected it was that that was wearing. Now, what I want to know is I've had people tell me to get it fixed, just drive around. I like to get, you know, I like to get my mileage in my car. You know, right. I, want to, right. I want to have this car for a while longer. What should I do? I think you get it fixed, and I'll, and I'll tell you why. Um, very simply put, you know, are you out on, are, do you travel long distance? Are you around town? Are you on the highway? Where, where do you do most of your driving? Not that this has a lot of bearing on it, but I just want to try and make a point if I can. I do the brunt of my driving around town, but if we do anything that requires distance, we use my vehicle. Right. And, you know, when you're out there on the interstate using your vehicle going a distance, you know, you know you've got a problem. It's So it's just a hand grenade waiting. It's going tick, 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 waiting to go yeah. off. And, you know, I always try to control and define where the repair has to be done and when. And by whom? So if you're, you know, out in East Oshkosh and the trans fails, you've got no choice on who's going to do the trans. You're going to take whoever's there. Whereas if you do the trans with the guy there in town that you've already had the diagnosis with, he knows who you are. And there's a lot of value in that. Everything, everything else being considered the same. If, if, if the guy out on the road was $500 cheaper I'd still feel more comfortable with the guy in town, the guy that's within, you know, driving distance from the house, the guy that's within, you know, the the town limits that, you know, has the reputation in town that you know who you're talking to and what you're dealing with. And he's the only local guy that just does transmissions only. Right. And I'd be I'd be concerned about the guy. I understand, you know, it it's hard for me to condemn somebody that sits there and says, "Ah, just drive it until it blows up," but you know, the the problem there becomes you know, is he trying to save you money, or is he just, you know, what's what's really going through his mind? I've I've never said to anybody, drive it till it blows up. I'll say, if you drive it and it blows up, it's going to cost you more, but maybe it's not worth repairing. A 2010 with less than 70,000 miles on it is clearly worth repairing. And in the case of you, if it is a planetary, if it takes the planetary gear set out or something does implode, fail, fall apart, explode, etc., it could damage the aluminum case of the transmission. And yeah. if if it does that, then that's more. That that easily adds 5 to 800 dollars to the repair, if not yep. more. And that's being conservative. So, I say I say let's 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 um let's let's replace it. Let's get it rebuilt. So, 
Uh, let's do that. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. Hey, Kathleen, stay on the line. Is uh, Fast Harry around? Can somebody grab Fast Harry? Kathleen, stay on the line. I want to send you out a Car Doctor T-shirt, kind of ease your pain a little bit. I think uh, <laughs> I think I think you're. This way, you can tell your husband, listen, I, I got a second opinion. It was the Car Doctor. Look, and he gave me a T-shirt for it too. So uh, stay awesome. stay on the line, Fast <laughs> Harry. I'll get your information. And we'll get a Car Doctor T-shirt out to you this week. Um, and uh, that'll help you out. I hate to see somebody getting beat up like this. You have a good rest of the day, Kathleen. Take good care. Thank you, Ron. You're very welcome. Bye-bye. Let's go and talk to Bob, La Crosse, Wisconsin, 93 Chevy Corsica, and some questions about chugging. Chugging, chugging, chugging. Bob, how are you? Running any in the car doctor at your service. What's uh, going on? Thank you for taking my Yeah, thank you for call, taking my call. You're welcome, sir. Uh, it's a, uh, a Corsica 3.1, 142,000 miles, and... Uh, I was going uh, along on the uh, Highway 16 for a short period of time, and traffic backed up, uh, and uh, it was warm, rather warm, and so forth. And it started chucking along, and uh, then it finally the engine killed, and I was able to restart it and get it. Uh, uh, it was missing all the way over to the uh, local garage where I uh, deal with. And uh, they checked the spark plug uh, wires, spark plugs, Gas uh, and the filter and so forth, and uh, they finally put, they put it on the hoist and uh, uh, hosed it down to clean off the bottom, and they found it was a crankshaft sensor that was bad. Okay. Uh, that's a regular uh, or not a regular uh, count uh, failure, is it, with that vehicle, or does it happen with that many miles, or what's going on? It's it's been it's been known to fail. On those, the crank sensor on that is the one. This is the one that's in the back of the engine, above the transmission, Bob. Or is this the one that's on above, the front? Above of the, the transmission. Yeah, above. It's 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 basically in the back of the engine, uh, facing the back leg of the trans. It's between the engine and the transmission, so to speak, in the rear of the engine. Well, to the firewall side. Let me get my nomenclature right. It's to the firewall side of the engine, or is this the crank sensor that's on the front of the engine, on the passenger side area? Where's it located? Side. Yeah. Oh, okay. Are um, they hard to get at? Yeah. If uh, either one's not great, the one that's in the back on the firewall side of the engine is real tough to get back. Is real tough to get at. Is that the, is that what I got? Uh, you're gonna have one or the other. That's why I'm asking. Oh. Okay. I think he determined uh, which one it is, uh, but th- they uh, delivered. It was rather late in the day, and they delivered the part, a local uh, parts dealer, and. Uh, they said I have to leave it there because they delivered the wrong part. Right. Well, maybe they that's... went to the mechanic ordered it on the computer. Right. Maybe that's why. So now the other thing to be aware of is, in in case this turns into, gee, it's not the crank sensor. Before I let you go, I just want to plant this seed. Before this happened, had it been a while since you've driven out on the highway? Uh, no, not really. Okay. All right. I'm just. Uh, I just in the back of my mind when I hear. I, I would say. Uh, I would say it's probably a week, a week and a half is all. Okay. It, it, I, I do a lot of uh, city driving, uh, but uh, I get out on the highway occasionally, and right. uh, the last time was about uh, oh, a couple of weeks ago. Okay. L- listen to me a second, Bob. The the my concern is this generation General Motors product when it gets this age and this mileage, and I hear conversation about it's it's chugging. I start to think about an issue in the transmission torque converter that it's it's gone into lockup and it hasn't released. Uh, it's a problem with the clutch portion of the transmission torque converter. I know it's an automatic. We used to call it lockup clutch, 
And if you get this back and the problem persists and they go, gee, it's not the crank sensor because I'm betting what's wrong with the crank sensor, what they saw is that the internal connector is soaked in oil, meaning the sensor's bad. It may or may not be causing this problem. If you find okay, it, let me let me let me intervene here. Uh, the uh, valve cover gaskets have been leaking, but they don't leak that much. And maybe the oil you said the oil seepage or something. No, the oil. Would that call, would, no, huh? no, the oil I'm thinking of is because internally the sensor fails and allows oil to leak up through the sensor, which saturates the field, the coils of wire inside the sensor, and then it comes out the connector plug. So it's an internal failure of the sensor. If it's the one in the engine block that goes down into the crankcase, then then that's common, and I can understand them changing that. But if this problem persists, then before they throw their hands up, mention to them torque converter clutch. Could the torque well, converter... How do you spell that? T-O-R, T is in Tom, T-O-R. Oh, yeah, Q U E. Q is in Quincy. Oh, okay. Torque converter clutch. It's my Jersey accent throws everybody off. Okay. Clutch. Torque converter clutch. Could that be staying on, causing the car to chug? And if you get out on the highway and the next time it happens, pop the car in neutral. Does the engine start to run normal? Slow down, come to a stop sign, and then pop the car in neutral just as you're approaching the stop sign. And if it runs normal and doesn't stall, I'd bet more on a transmission issue than an engine issue. Not to say that it didn't need a crank sensor. Maybe more than one problem or one than one issue on an older car like this. Good talking to you, Bob. I appreciate it. 855-560-9900. I'm Ron Anning, The Car Doctor. I'll return right after this. Welcome back. Ron Nanning, The Car Doctor. And uh, the phone number here is 855-560-9900, cardoctorshow.com for podcasts and all that kind of good stuff. And I think we're at the good part of the show where Tom Ray is standing up, and he's got the Facebook Car Doctor T-shirt winner of the week of this hour. And uh, just for everyone's information, we are giving away a Car Doctor T-shirt every hour, every week, uh, from now till the end of the year. Get out to Facebook. Like the page. You have to like the page, Ron Nanning, and The Car Doctor. Ask a question. If we pull your question off the Facebook page and somebody reads it for you here and I get to answer it, then voila, voila, voila. Of course, it's a good part of the show. Yeah. I'm on the air instead of you. Oh, there you go. So <laughs> everybody wants to get into the act, folks. That's the way this is. So, We're just having too much fun on this side of the glass. Yeah, I can Aren't tell. you glad we locked you in today? Yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad, <laughs> I'm glad there's a door between me. So, But um, anyway, how can I uh, help you? What's going on here? Well, this is uh, from Kevin... Uh, Crizos, I believe, is how we pronounce it. Okay. And he says, hey, Ron, I got a question for you about oil monitoring systems. I have a 2012 Honda Civic that has an oil monitoring system, and I change the oil when the oil monitoring system tells me I have 20% oil life left, which equates to about 7,500 miles. What's your thoughts on oil monitoring systems on cars today, and do you think I'm going too long between oil changes? I think you're going too long between oil changes, Kevin. Oil monitoring systems are good for the masses that just want to be a sheep, 
and just follow the routine that the manufacturer sets down. And then when they get to 100,000 miles, if they've got engine issues, consumption of oil, leaks, engines that don't run right, problems like that, they're not worried about it. They're going to go out and buy another car. I think if you want to take care of a car, you've got to be more on top of it than that. And I think it starts with an oil change, and it's always been that way as far as an oil change. I had a great conversation today, uh, this week with someone from Wix Filters, and we were talking about the fact that oil filters are being asked to go longer, which is the other problem with the extended oil drain intervals that the manufacturers are calling for. And he assured me that the Wix premium oil filters will go the distance. They will hold up. And it was an interesting conversation in that the oil filter manufacturers are aware of it. And Wix not only does Wix filters that you'll see in the aftermarket, they do a lot of original equipment manufacturing for OE filters. But it was interesting to note that they are so aware of it and they are creating more and more filters every day that will go longer and longer built to a manufacturer's specification. But as Donald said to me, and he's a car guy too, he said, but why wouldn't you just change the oil on a regular basis and get the maintenance involved? Because he brought up the point that I'm always making with regard to you're going to run out of oil. You know, oil has to be checked on a regular basis. And people don't do that. And they've fallen into and they've been lulled to sleep by the maintenance light. So don't do the maintenance. Do the maintenance. Do the maintenance as per the light. You might be doing an engine at some point if you forget to check oil. Don't do that and check it on a, change it on a regular basis and use a good filter like a Wix, you'll um, you'll see what's going on. So it's important. Hey, let's pull over and take the cause. By the way, if you need more information, it's wixfilters.com. Let me get that in there, too. So everybody says, where can I find good Wix filters? Wixfilters.com. 855-560-9900. The Car Doctor's coming back right after this. Welcome back. Ron and Andy, the car doctor, rolling along as we kind of top things out here at the top of the hour. Let's get over and talk to Tim, Flint, Michigan, 07 Chevy Impala. Tim, welcome to the car doctor, sir. How can I help? Great. Thank you, Ron. Big fan of your show. Thank you. Thank you. What's going on? I, I bought this old 07 Impala, just just a great car, you know, yeah. and, and, I, I, and nobody, I have one problem. Nobody can fix this, this squeak. All right. I love a challenge. Tell me what's going on. All right. Uh, it steers perfect as far as smooth. Um, what it's doing on a low turn. Am I still with you? Yeah, you're here. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. Uh, you know, like, like uh, backing into a garage or pulling into a parking space or going through a drive through a slow, slight turn, it will make a squeak like I guess I can compare it to a basketball shoe on a court. Like, like now a- I've replaced like a basketball, like a basketball, what? Like like, like shoes on a basketball. Court, oh, re, 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 okay, yeah, yeah, okay. I I but it's a, just a different. I've been on cars all my life, and I'm a maintenance freak, so I, I I've never heard this. And until now, my neighbors in Pella does the same thing. So, I guess long story short, I've played the game of it's the power steering pump, it's the belt. It's this, it's that, and I've replaced everything, and it's still there. Maybe worse. Okay, let me ask you this. When you changed the power steering pump, did you bleed the system? Yes, twice, twice okay. actually. Okay. 
so you bled the system. When you changed the belt, did you replace the tensioner? Yes. Um, does it matter or change in frequency or noise if the AC compressor is on? Huh. You know what? I, I didn't go that far. All right. You know, because if it's a belt issue, let's 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 think it out in our head. If the belt is loaded, all right, in that it's just under such extreme pressure and you're in a parking lot maneuver, you're backing up, you're going forward, whatever, cranking the wheel, high pra- high demand, you got to think about the situation. What's the car setting up? It's setting up a high-power steering demand, high-effort issue. So if you turn on the AC and try to do it, does that change anything? If it does... Then we got to have the conversation, whose belt and tensioner is it? Is it up to the task, or do we have one of the other pulleys causing the problem, possibly binding or not spinning as true as it does? Do that and give me a call back next week, Tim. We're going to send you a Car Doctor t-shirt for your effort. See ya.